Hollow Mountain Publishing presents The Night, the third book in the Appalachian Storm series, written and performed by Diana Kilpack. Chapter 5 The Tutti Fruity Californians Hello, came a voice inside Katie's mind. I'm looking for the wolf that lives in the Smoky Mountains. I think you can hear me. I heard you all the way from California. Katie lifted her head, trying to figure out where the sing-song voice was coming from. Hello? I know you can hear me, said the voice persistently. What? Katie snapped with her thoughts. She was so tired she couldn't think straight. Jared had woken her every hour to make sure she didn't go into a deep sleep. It felt like she hadn't gotten any sleep at all. Adjusting her pillow, Jared was snoring softly beside her, looking just as exhausted as she felt. Ah, there you are, said the voice. What do you want? Katie responded irritably. You need to pick us up at the Knoxville airport in 30 minutes, the voice commanded. Katie closed her eyes. We do not want little people to pick us up, and we don't like to wait, the voice said sternly. No little people? Katie asked softly. What I mean is, we want your leaders to come, not peons. We have many things to discuss and we don't like to waste time. You need to be here exactly when we land, the voice ordered. Katie's eyes flew open. She could not believe these demands. Really? Well, it takes an hour and a half to get to Knoxville, so you'll have to wait till I get there. Tyler said, Knoxville is the closest airport, the voice replied. It is, but it's still an hour and a half from here, Katie said with her mind. Do you have a road we can land on? The voice said irritably. Katie paused a moment, digesting this information before replying, You are not coming on a commercial airline? Of course not. We have our own jet, the voice said as though another option was absurd. Katie turned to Jared's sleeping form next to her. She really didn't want to wake him. Hey, Jared, wake up, she said softly. Immediately his eyes flew open. Katie, are you all right? I'm sorry, I must have slept longer. No, it's fine, Katie whispered. Do you know if there's an airport close by? Jared blinked a couple of times. You're not a robot, he asked. Nope, Katie replied. No sleeping sickness, Jared asked. Nope, Katie said with conviction. You are up for the day, he asked hopefully. It looks like it, she said defeatedly. Great. I'm going back to sleep, Jared said sleepily. What about the airport, Katie asked. Call my dad, Jared said gruffly, instantly going back to sleep. David gave a soft whistle as he watched a Learjet land on the tarmac. Those wolves sure know how to travel in style. Katie decided to keep her opinions about the situation to herself. David turned to her. What, no smart remark? I'm afraid Zack is right. And we're wasting our time with these fruity-tooty yahoos. 
Katie said, her fingers making two little quote signs. They are willing to come and help us fight. That's got to mean something, David said, in his usually positive manner. They have over 50 people they could have brought, and they decided to bring 10, Katie said in disgust. What are 10 wolves going to do? We'll soon find out, David said. A girl bounced out of the plane that looked like she could be on the pages of Vogue magazine. She wore a white, wide-brimmed hat covering most of her face. Hello! She hollered as though there were thousands of eager fans waiting for her on the tarmac. We have arrived! Katie knew immediately. This was the person she had previously spoken to with her thoughts. She let David go first. She might as well let the great leader meet the arrivals just like they were ordered to. Ah, David Black, I feel like I already know you. You are exactly who I wanted to meet me. I have so much to discuss. I tried to call you for days and days, but Tyler's phone doesn't seem to be working, the girl said. Actually, Katie couldn't help saying, Tyler had been trying to call you for days. You didn't respond until I called out to you, and that was yesterday. You must be Katie Johnson, the one who thinks she's the leader of all the wolves, the girl said mockingly. That would be me, Katie said, keeping her features expressionless. My name is Kat. This is Forrest, Morgan, Susie, and Amy. I thought there was going to be ten of you, Katie said. I only count five. These are five of our best fighters, Kat replied with a Colgate smile. We can wipe out hundreds of malice with just what we have here. Wow, hundreds at one time, Katie said sarcastically, trying to keep what she really thought from showing on her face. I guess all we need to do is sit back and have you take care of everything. Gosh, Kat beamed. Here I thought I was going to have a problem with you. Gee whiz, Katie beamed back. I can already tell we're going to be the best of friends. She turned to the older man in the group. Your name is Forrest? That's just great. We have a Forrest, too. I love that man like he was my long-lost grandpa. I'm sure we're going to be just as close. David first looked like he was trying to cover a laugh with a cough, but started actually hacking as if something went down wrong. Do you need any help with your bags? Katie said, not letting up with the act. I could probably get them all. I have the strength of ten men. Oh, you are a kidder, aren't you, Katie Johnson? Cat pointed to the plane. They're all in there. Help yourself. Be careful, there are some very breakable items. Realizing she had just been duped, she gave David a significant look before running up the steps. David followed close behind her. I can't believe this, Katie said with her thoughts. Stooping down, she picked up one of the luggage. Wow, David said out loud. This is really heavy. Katie dropped the bag she was carrying. Crouching, she opened the container David was trying to lift. What is this, some type of metal ore? It's really heavy, David said in disgust. How are we going to get these things in my parents' van? Katie reached down to see how heavy the item was. Not only are we going to get a hernia, but it's going to ruin the shocks in the van. Yoo-hoo! Cat hollered from outside. Katie straightened up and walked towards the door of the plane. We don't like to waste time. Can David come down and take us where we need to go? Someone else can come and pick you and the bags later, Kat said. Katie put her hands on her hips. 
Why don't I just come down and... Katie's with me, David interrupted. We could probably figure out the bag thing later. I'm not taking these yahoos to the compound, Katie said in disgust. I can't take them to my house. My parents are at their breaking point, David replied. Katie sighed. I'll take them to the plantation house. I can't wait to show them the running water situation. She turned around, looking at the bags. I don't like asking someone else to come and cater to these people. It feels like we will be designating pure hearts to be servants. David nodded in understanding. These California pure hearts may give us some answers we desperately need. Katie sighed. I don't know if I trust them. Hello, came a sing-song voice from below. We have a lot to teach you in a very short time. Katie turned to the luggage. I was able to send Forrest into timeout. Maybe I can send this lot to the plantation. What happens if you lose the baggage? David asked. I guess I'll just say, oops, sorry, Katie said dryly. David shrugged. I'm okay with that. I'll escort our visitors to the van while you transport the luggage. It didn't take long for Katie to visualize the front yard of the plantation home and send the items there. The true test would be, when they arrive, will the packages actually be there? Giving the empty area one last glance, she bounded down the steps. David was holding the passenger door open, waiting for her. After giving him a thank-you smile, she slid into her seat. You have him well-trained, don't you? Katie turned around, startled when the words entered her mind. What? she asked out loud. You heard me, Kat said with her thoughts. David jumped into the driver's seat and gave the back seat a quick smile. Everyone set? Absolutely, Kat gave him a bright smile. What tribe do you guys belong to? Why? Katie fired back. Be nice, David said with his thoughts. I am being nice. What I want to do is throw them out of the van, Katie replied with her thoughts. David shook his head. Katie is Cherokee and... Oh, Cherokee, Kat interrupted. I just love the Cherokee. The Trail of Tears is so sad. How big is the reservation here? Katie turned in her chair so she could see the back of the van better. I don't know. The reservation is in Oklahoma and we live in Tennessee. She looked at David. How stupid are these people? She asked with her thoughts. David grinned. My great, great, great grandmother was half Pawnee. Sometimes late at night when I can't sleep, I hear the drums beat in my heart of the injustice Native Americans had to endure. I start to tear up. Do you ever feel that way? Kat asked. No, Katie replied. There were times she did get angry with the way the Cherokee people were treated, but she wasn't going to get into a conversation with someone who was what? One sixty-fourth Native American? I wasn't talking to you, Kat said with her thoughts. Oh, gosh, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking to the only Cherokee in the vehicle, Katie said. Is there another conversation I cannot hear? David asked with his thoughts. A little slow on the uptake, Katie replied with hers. Forrest once told me of an old song that was popular when he was younger. It says, Kat began singing, Half-breed. That's all I have heard. Half-breed. How I learned to hate the word. Half-breed. She's no good, they would say. Both sides against me since the day I was born. When I think of that song, I just want to tear up. I know exactly how that person in the song feels. Really? Katie smirked. Except in your case, you'll have to say, 
164th breed. That's all I ever heard. David immediately started choking. Apparently, he couldn't disguise his laugh and drive at the same time. I can't help it, Katie told him with her thoughts. She just keeps giving me the ammunition I have to fire. You don't want me as your enemy, Kat said with her thoughts. I'm pretty sure I don't want you as a friend, Katie shot back out loud. David gave her a quick frown. Be careful. I'm trying, Katie replied. I asked the Pawnee Nation to accept me into their tribe, and they refused me. Isn't their position unbelievable, David? Kat said. David looked into his rearview mirror, a puzzled look on his face. Katie couldn't resist. Why would you think they would accept you into their tribe? Hello, Kat replied. I turn into the great white wolf. Everyone knows that only passes through strong Native American blood. Obviously, I should be a part of a Native American tribe. Katie and David frowned. Are there two great white wolves? David asked with his thoughts. Do I have to say it again? We still don't know what we are dealing with, Katie replied with her thoughts. I've been thinking about suing them, Kat replied. That will make them accept me. Katie couldn't help it. She cracked up laughing. Okay, let's try and force white man's law on a Native American tribe. That will work, she said with her thoughts to David. What's so funny? Kat demanded. You are a white wolf? David asked quickly. Ah, yes. I am a very beautiful white wolf. Back home, there is a cave that explains in great detail the story of the white wolf. They are always the leader. Always, Kat emphasized. The old man in the back cleared his throat. This is some really pretty country. I'm surprised it's so green here. Oh, yeah? David replied, obviously relieved the conversation was changing. Why is that? I thought with all the coal mines in the area, there wouldn't be anything green around here, Forrest said. Why don't you try and make a conversation with that? Katie asked David with her thoughts. Coal mines are a little north of us. They're mostly in Kentucky. They are a main source of income for the area as a whole, David said, trying to be friendly. That's what it always boils down to, isn't it? It always comes down to money. Corporations are running the world, and they don't care what they're doing to it. Big oil and dirty coal causing greenhouse gases and destroying our Mother Earth, Forrest said. Says the man who just flew in a Learjet to get here, Katie said sarcastically with her thoughts. I honestly don't know how to respond to that, David answered, grinning. Katie grinned back. She looked out the window, gauging how much longer she would have to be in the vehicle with these people. She smelled a strong scent. Turning around, she gave a mild gasp. David must have smelled at the same time because the van veered on the road. What are you doing? Katie demanded. It's okay. It's medicinal, said Forrest. Please, no smoking in my parents' van, David said. I don't think it's a regular cigarette, Katie said with her thoughts. It's for medical purposes, Kat explained slowly, as if they were half-wits. It's okay. David immediately pulled over. Before the van came to a complete stop, Katie had already jumped out. Opening the van door, she reached in, grabbing the offending object out of the old man's mouth. It's not okay, she yelled, before throwing it away. What is wrong with you people? Katie yelled at them. 
having pot in any way, shape, or form in the state of Tennessee is against the law. It's medicinal, Cat repeated. No, Katie contradicted. It's rude. The proper conduct is to ask, Hey, is it okay if I smoke in your vehicle? Then you abide by whoever owns the van. You don't just light up a joint and then defend yourself because it's medicinal. We don't have to be here, you know, Cat replied. We are doing you a favor. The only thing I see you doing is wasting our time, Katie shot back. We can leave right now if we want to, Cat replied. Katie stepped back. The road is right there. Go for it. You won't give us a ride back? Cat asked. Katie couldn't help glance towards David, giving him a searching look. Those are your only options for us to drive you or you walk back to your plane? What do you expect us to do? Fly? Cat asked. They don't know how to teleport, David said with his thoughts. Has it ever occurred to you we may be able to teach you a few things? Oh, please. Some hillbillies in the Smoky Mountains know more than we do? Not likely, Cat said. How long do you plan on staying? David asked. We were going to teach you basic combat techniques, help you with your fight, and immediately go home, said Megan. The response from the other girls surprised Katie. This was the first time any of the others had spoken. What do you think about the situation? Katie asked Megan with her thoughts. Megan looked surprised, quickly glancing towards Kat. I was talking to you only, Katie said with her thoughts. Megan looked puzzled. How do you do that? She said out loud. Katie raised her eyebrows. You don't know how to speak privately with your thoughts? She shook her head. We are not allowed to speak at all with our thoughts because it gets really confusing with everyone talking at once. So we do have something to teach you, Katie said to everyone in the van except for Kat. Do you want to learn? The girls looked at each other in surprise. I say we put it to a vote, Katie said out loud. All in favor who wants to stay, raise your hands. Everyone except for Forrest and Kat immediately raised their hands. I'm the leader. I say if we go or not, Kat said. Actually, David said with a grin, you're in cat country. The great white tiger makes the final decision. I'm the leader of the wolves, Kat declared. I say what the wolves can and can't do. You can't take away people's agency just because you're in command. That is bad leadership, Katie pointed out. Now I want all cannabis out of this van now. Forrest folded his arms without saying a word. You have 30 seconds to produce the pot or every handbag and purse will be confiscated, Katie demanded. You honestly think you can take all of us on, Kat said with a smirk. I know I can, Katie said quietly. She looked over at David, who was grinning broadly. He gave her a quick nod of approval. She pictured the inside of the plane, grabbed every handbag she could see, and sent them there. The Californians had not noticed they were no longer clutching their items. Shutting the van door, she climbed back into the passenger seat. Cat began laughing. The great leader of the wolves. Yes, Katie answered back. Look at that, Cat said dramatically. It's a cute little plantation home. It looks like we stepped back in time. Where are the slave quarters? Katie ignored the comment. She loved the old home and all its eccentricities. She felt as connected to the house as she did to the mountains. She couldn't help smiling. 
when she could see all the luggage had arrived safely. David noticed the same time, because he started chuckling softly to himself. Are those our items? Cat asked in surprise. How did they arrive before us? Katie ignored the question. There are no servants here, she emphasized. You take care of your own things. There are several empty rooms with cots in them. You are welcome to pick whichever room you want. Oh, and there is one other thing. She paused before continuing. We only have two bathrooms with running water, and there is no hot water. Is there a hotel around here? Cat asked. Katie kept walking. There are no accommodations. Get used to it. Where is my purse? Cat asked in shock. Katie continued walking into the house. She had been waiting for the question for several minutes. Where is my handbag? All my money and credit cards are gone! Cat exclaimed. The wait was worth it. Thank you for listening to The Night, the third book in the Appalachian Storm series. 